Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 13. 1 Kings chapter 13. It's really just going to be a, um, more of a thought than anything else tonight. And hopefully this thought will, will uh, be a seed that plants into your mind and that you'll be able to apply it one day. Okay? So 1 Kings chapter 13, and we'll read in verse 23. 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 23. And it came to pass after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk, that he saddled for him the ass to wit, for the prophet whom he had brought back. And verse 24, and when he, had, and when he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. And his carcass was cast in the way, and the ass stood by it. The lion also stood by the carcass. And tonight, the sermon that the Lord's laid upon my heart, uh, more like a little bit of Bible study, is entitled, A Mistake That Cost a Life. A Mistake That Cost a Life. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you, Lord, for your word, and we do understand that um, things written aforetime were written for our learning. And so, again, tonight, um, simple thought, but I pray that you help us, Lord, to apply it, help us to see the truth behind it, and then, again, help us to, um, to apply what we learn throughout our life. We thank you, again, for the freedom we have to open up the Bible so freely here. Again, help us to cherish these times in Jesus' name. Amen. It's interesting, um, Brother John said uh, that we've got to continue praying for SRE, and there's, there's going to be some major changes that will happen. And even talking to the organizers there at the inside, they're saying the same thing. Um, and they, 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 they go to different places, and, and they hear certain things, and, and they say that, you know, the time for SRE, honestly, is, is going slower and slower. The opportunities are getting less and less. The time you can spend with the children or to the teenagers has, has dropped from used to be one hour, a week, uh, one hour a week. Now this is about 25 minutes. And so there's a lot of things happening. In the, this is a public school system again. This is all just public schools that we, we deal with at the moment. I'm not sure with private schools. But the more and more we see it, the more and more um, the opportunities to make an impact is, is going dim and dim. And... It's, it's something that we need to pray for as a church. The, the thought tonight, the mistake that costs a life, um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very morbid contrast to how this young, young prophet started off. And I want to show you how he started off in 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 1. And what I wanted to do is to show you the end result to how it started off and see how Tonight, we can look through the patterns of his life and see what we can take from it and also learn from it. So in 1 um, Kings chapter 13, it says this, And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah, and let's say this together, church, by the word of the Lord, unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense, and he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord. And said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto thee, uh, unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priests 
of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bones shall be burnt upon thee. He gave a sign the same day, saying, This is a sign which the Lord hath spoken. Behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. And here again, we're just reminded that in the northern kingdom, the, uh, the, the capital of Israel was, does anyone remember? Samaria. And at this time, at this time, there was a, there was a king, and that king was named King Jeroboam. And again, Israel was, was broken up into two parts. You have uh, the northern kingdom, and then you have the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom, Jerusalem, was the capital of a place called, it starts with J, Judah. Judah, exactly right. And do you remember who the king was down, down in, um, in, in Judah? At this time, it was King Rehoboam. King Rehoboam. And so now you have now a little bit of a context of what's going on at the moment you have this, this young man, and it says here, Behold, there came up a man of God out of where? Judah. So you have a man coming from the southern kingdom, going to a place in Bethel, which is the in northern kingdom. Right? And first point for us tonight, if you like writing notes, it's simply this. The young man responded to the calling. The young prophet responded to the calling. And behold, there came a man, in verse 1, came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jerobo- Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Remember, Jeroboam wasn't, wasn't a righteous king. He was a, he was a bad king at this time. And what he's done, and this altar that was set up, wasn't a holy altar for God. It was an altar that was set up for a false god. And so he was burning incenses for a false God. And so this is the, the, the backdrop of where we are. And here we have this young prophet. It's amazing how the Bible doesn't actually say the young prophet's name. I, bet, I think about two weeks ago we talked about somebody. And their name wasn't mentioned either. Do you remember that? Brother Soren preached on it in the morning. I preached on it at night. That lady. That woman. That broke the alabaster box. And what, what's interesting is that sometimes God doesn't need to put the name of the individual because maybe that name could have been, been misconstrued. Maybe that name what was going to take away from what actually happened. But here we find that God's inspiration, preservation of the Word of God, that He doesn't put the name of this young prophet in there. But He allows him to, to be seen in this light, in, in, chapter, in verse 1, that he, he obeyed the call of God in his life. You have to understand, remember this day, there wasn't, there wasn't cars. Here we have an ass, a donkey that was used. Here we have different means of transportation, but it's not as fast as we were before. And, and even just the, the fact, like even today, when I was driving home, do you know what we did? We put on the air conditioner. Do you know, a couple years ago, that wasn't existent. A long time ago, that, that didn't even work. Automatic steering wasn't here. But that's only currently. So when we we think about people following the will of God, it's not as easy as it was or as it is today. Do you know how cheap a ticket is to get to the Philippines? What, $600, $700 return flight? I remember back in the days when that was so much more. Right? Do you remember those days? 
And what it is, is that this young man responded to the calling and followed through. He followed through. This man had a specific place he needed to be, and he was there. Not only that, second point, we'll continue reading in in, in verse 3. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. And behold, the altar shall be rent, and the ashes that are upon it shall be poured out. Do you remember who this young prophet was talking to? Jeroboam. He was the king. So second point for tonight is simply this. The young prophet was fearless. The young prophet was fearless. It says, And it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which had cried against the altar in Bethel, that he put forth his hand from the altar, saying, Lay hold on him. And his hand, which he put forth against him, dried up, so that he could not pull it in again to him. And here we have a miracle that just takes place in a wicked place. A place where there was an altar for for incense towards a wrong God. And it's sort of a picture in your mind like I do. The the back two doors swing open and and this place with with an altar right there. And the king just holding on to the altar, burning incense. And this prophet comes in. And instead of the prophet saying, um, could could I just have a discussion with you? Could I just whisper some judgment to you? No, he says it declared. He cried. He cried out. This man was fearless. This man understood where his, his position was in the sight of God and not with men. You see that, he, that anybody else that would have came in would have had a sense of fear. I'm sure he might have had a little bit of fear, but behind that, behind What he was going to say was a God who created the whole world and now called him to do this specific thing and for him to cry against the king. And he says he talks about a sign that the altar will be be broken and and everything that the ashes and things that were there will spill forth. And here we have the wrath of a king you don't speak to me that way. How dare you? I'm trying to burn incense to this God. And he, he, he removes his hand off the altar and he points his hand to the prophet. And as he did that, his hand withered. Isn't that a miracle? Amen. That's a miracle in the Bible. And time and time again, church, I, I read this, this story and I, I always breezed over it because I understood what miracle that was, but I never really took the time to study who this prophet was and what, why, what made him different. And this is what made him different. He was fearless. And as the king stood there and his arm could not be stretched back in, you almost hear the change of, of his voice, the tone of his voice changed. And let's look at the next verse in verse 5. And the, also, uh, and the altar was also rent, was also was rent, and the ashes poured out 
from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the, let's say this together, word of the Lord. What God commanded him to say to the, to the, the leadership of that day came to pass. Why? Because this man was fearless. As, this man, as, the, as the king sort of looked at his hand and looked at his other hand, thought to himself, what, what would the, all, all the other nations think of me? A king that can't fight in battle. What, what, what would the people talk? Uh, imagine them, all, all of them talking about me because this, this prophet of God came and by the word of the Lord, and I stretched out my hand against the man of God. And my hand was withered. I wonder what the people will say. And I believe at this particular time, the king was so repentant about what he did. He says this. It says this in verse 6. And the king answered and said unto the man. Now imagine the difference, yeah? He was pointing his hand so that the guards would take the prophet and then cast him into prison or kill that man. But now we have this in verse 6. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God. You can almost see the, the difference of the tone of voice, right? Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God and pray for me that my hand may be restored me again. I don't know about you, and I'm just going to be honest and carnal this, this evening. I would have just left for a couple of days. No, you put your hand in front of me. No, you, you were against God. No, you were doing wrong. And sort of left it for a couple of days before you started praying for the man. But you see this, this young prophet, not only did he respond to the calling, not only was he fearless, but this young prophet had mercy. And let's look at the verse, and it says, And the man of God besought, besought who? The Lord. He besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored him again, and it became as it was before. Another miracle. Now, in the sight of everyone that was in that particular place watching the king do his incense towards a fake God, and I'm observing a, a prophet of the God come through and tell the truth and cry against it. You'd sort of think, what would happen now? Will the king still be upset? And now in this state, now his hand is restored to him. He says this to the young prophet. He says in verse 7, And the king said unto the man of God, Come home with me and refresh thyself. And I will give thee a reward. That seems reasonable, doesn't it? No. Fourth point is this. The young prophet was steadfast in the word of God. The young prophet was steadfast in the word of God. His response to the king says this in verse 8. And the man of God said unto the king... If thou wilt give me half thine house, I will not go in with thee, neither will I eat bread 
nor drink water in this place. Verse 9, for so it was charged me by what? The word of the Lord, saying, eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. In verse 10, so he went another way and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. And now we have this young prophet that was, that was, was responding to the call of God, that was fearless to, to what God desired him to do. Not only was he fearless, but he was also merciful to this king, now steadfast in the word. Don't you think this is pretty much a lot of victories after victories after victories? Yes, definitely. This young prophet said, you know what, uh, king, I understand that you want to give me drink. I know you want to give me a reward for what I've done, but, but I know the Lord said this to me by the word of God, by the word of the Lord, that I should not eat nor drink, nor even come the same way that I came back. No, not even go the same way back as I came. That was the specifics that God has given him. And the danger is, church, is that God is blessing us. And if, if you're not realizing that, you need to open up your eyes. God has been blessing our church. God has been blessing our church. Say amen. The reason why is that if you didn't notice there were people that weren't in church before, now faithfully come to church. Did you notice that? That's a blessing from God. That's the hard work of an individual that's not named. And now God's blessing that. Do you notice that every week we have a visitor come to our church? That's a blessing from God. And yes, maybe some of them don't stay through the whole service. But what that is, is that God is blessing us and allowing us to see just how, how good we actually have it. Because sometimes we look at others, other churches. So why don't we have it that way? Or why don't we have that type of office? Or why don't we have that type of environment? It's not. It's what God has given us now. I, I thank God for the blessings he's given us now. Do you know there's people who have been saved these past few weeks? If you, if you got your, your, your prayer list and your prayer letters in the back here, if you looked in the back right here, right in the back of your corner, you'll see, all these names of people that got saved recently. That's what you have. That's what God has been doing to our church. And this is only the people that we know about. I believe 100% that when we get to heaven, that person that you left that, that, that track with, maybe he got saved and he never told you about it. But God has blessed you. What this is, is that God's saying, okay, I know you're laboring and you're laboring in love, so I'm just going to, allow you to see a little bit. I want to I, I show you just, okay, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of the fruit. But I have some more stored for you, but you can just see this for a little while. Today, God has blessed our church. Truly, he has. But the danger, the danger is that we rely on the blessings and the victories that we've had and drop our guard down. Amen? And we drop our guard down because, because we thought we've done enough. Let's continue reading. 
The young prophet had mercy. The young prophet was steadfast in the word of God. But in verse, in verse 11, in verse 11, is it, is it all right tonight? Are you guys okay? Verse 11 says this, Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel. Let me ask you a question first. Where was the, where was the, where was the young prophet from? Judah. And he had to travel to where? Bethel. Exactly right. So a young prophet had to travel from Judah all the way to Bethel, but then there was an old prophet that was in where? Bethel. Okay, let's continue reading. Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel, the words which he had spoken unto the king, them they told also to their father. That's in verse 11. The next point, point number five is this. The young prophet's action got some attention. The young prophet's action got some attention. In verse 12 it says, And their father said unto him, unto them, What way went he? For his sons had seen what way the man of God went, which came from Judah. And he said unto his sons, Saddle me the ass. So, I, so they saddled him the ass, and he rode thereon. The young prophet's actions got attention. This old prophet that was in Bethel understood the sin that was rampant in where he was living. We'll get back to it a bit later on. It's interesting how God didn't use him instead of the young prophet. God had to call another man to stand up and say to the king what needed to be said instead of calling the prophet that was already there. We'll get back to that. Just remember that thought. It says here, let's, let's continue reading. Verse 14. 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 14. Again, it's not going to be a, a hard sermon tonight. What, what it is, is just we're going verse by verse, seeing what's going on, and then putting it all together in the end, all right? Verse, verse 14 of chapter 13, 1 Kings. And went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God that camest from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said unto him, Come, now, come home with me and eat bread. Eat bread. See, the next point is simply this. The young prophet continues to stand on the word of God. Because this is his response to another prophet. He says this. He said in verse 15, Then he said unto him, Come home with me and eat bread. Verse 16, it says, And he said, This is the young prophet, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, Neither will I eat bread nor drink water with thee in this place. For it was said to me by who? The word of, let's say it together, the word of the, the word of the Lord. Thou shalt eat no bread nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way 
that thou camest. He was tested a second time. And he said, no, I won't go with you. Because the word of the Lord said no. But this is where the mistake happened. Because instead of heading back to where he was supposed to go, he decided to sit under an oak. And when a man sits under an oak, there's one or two things you're doing. You're either resting or you're thinking. And you're sitting down and you're thinking about the great things that God has done with you. And it just so happened that the old man and his donkey found a way to find you and now is in front of your face saying, hey, come with me, let's eat some bread and, and let's talk. And you sort of see this, this, young, this young prophet set up. No, I can't do that. Sorry. Because God told me that I can't eat with anyone or drink with anyone nor go the same way as I came. Now let's see where the mistake happened. It says this. This is what always confused me when I read this passage. It says this in, in, in verse 18. 1 Kings 13, 18. He said unto him, I am a prophet also as thou art. And they, what? What does it say? Does it say, and the word of the Lord? Yes or no? No. What does it say? And an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord. It sounds the same. Sounds similar. But it's not. It's not similar at all. If you sit down and you listen. And do, if, you, if you heard an angel spake unto me by the word of the Lord. He would have understood that that wasn't the word of the Lord. Saying, bring him back with thee into thine house that he may eat bread and drink water. And this is where it hurts me. It says this, but he lied unto him. The old prophet lied to the new prophet and the young prophet. An angel told me by the word of the Lord that you come home. You come with me. The young prophet was responsible and responded to the, the calling of God. The young prophet was fearless. The young prophet had mercy. The young prophet was steadfast in the word of God. The young prophet's action got some attention. The young prophet stands again on the word of God. And the ultimate mistake is that he let his guard down. And he listened. He listened to an old prophet. And the consequences is this. Find it in verse 23. 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 23. And it came to pass, after he had eaten bread, and after he had drunk, that he saddled for him the ass to wit, for the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he, had gone, he was gone, a lion met him by the way and slew him. And his carcass was cast in the way, and the ass stood by it, and the lion also stood by the carcass. 
verse 25. This is the consequence of this mistake. And behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way and the lion standing by the carcass. And they came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. A bit morbid, isn't it? Because this, this young man had, had such great potential. This young man had, had, had so much going for him. But we find that this young man dropped his guard down just for a little bit. So this is what I want us to learn. That was just an introduction to, to this. And these thoughts to take home. Point number one, no one ever starts, starts off wanting to fail. No one ever starts off wanting to fail. The prophet was doing great things for God. It says in Ecclesiastes 7, 8, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. The young prophet knew what the word of the Lord was. Why? Because it actually spoke to him. The times that he stood up and and proclaimed, thus saith the Lord, was because God told him to do that. And this one time, when he was deceived and lied to, he took heed. Instead of relying on what God or specifically told him not an angel to another person to him you understand not not an angel to to the old prophet and then from the old prophet to him no it was it was directly to him and what god convicted his life about and and what god wanted him to say it wasn't because of another angel no 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 it was the word of the lord told me that i cannot do this and i will not do this because this is the word of the lord And because he dropped his guard, he allowed the mistake to happen. And there his body lie on the way. It says it was cast on the way. And people walked past and they saw the lion and they saw the donkey and they see the body of that young young man, that young prophet. I'm saying young because compared to the old man, that's what it says, I'm an old prophet, right? That was an old prophet. So again, he might have been older. And people walk past, and, and you know what they, they told the old, the, the old prophet? That, that, that man that did so much great things earlier in the day, he's actually dead on the, on the way, on the side of the road. No one ever starts off wanting to fail, desiring failure in their life. So when someone fails, don't be so harsh on them, by the way. Amen. Don't be so harsh on people because they failed. No, they didn't want to start off like that. They don't want to end like that. Our desire is to edify each other, yes? That's what I'm trying to do tonight. Because God had to rip my face about this exact thing. Why? Because the thing is, our, our goal is to encourage and strengthen each other for edification of the body of Christ. So next time you want to slander someone because of their poor leadership, Understand that no one ever wants to end up that way. So have some grace. Have some mercy.
Because everyone will need it. We're not in a perfect, perfect church. Time we get to heaven and everyone's sitting around the, the marriage supper of the Lamb, then we'll be in a perfect church. Amen. But here we're not. So give a little grace sometimes. Okay, I'm not, I'm not pinpointing anyone. I'm just saying. General thought. Not anyone, no, no one wants to start off to fail. Not only that, simply this. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. No one ever starts off wanting to fail, but always keep your guard up. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He's looking at you. And if you're stale and if you're not doing anything for God, he's great. He doesn't, he doesn't need to attack you. He's looking for the, the ones that are actually doing something. The ones that are involved. The ones that want to get involved for God. The ones that actually open and close the church. The ones that play in the orchestra or lead in some regard or some ministry. The devil's watching you and he's just waiting to see. Oh, I see his, I see his clink in his armor. I see that right leg of his, he's, he's hopping a little bit. If I get it the right time, I'll get that. I'll take him down. So you always keep your guard up. Simple, right? <laughs> Thirdly and lastly is this. Be cautious listening to those that are not doing anything themselves. Be cautious listening to those that are not doing anything themselves. One, the old prophet should have been there rebuking the king as well. The old prophet should have been there and, and standing up with the younger prophet and saying, hey, this guy's right, he's from the Lord, you better listen to him because the judgment that, that he's, he's calling upon your reign right now is going to come to fruition and one day there's going to be another king and that king's going to be righteous. The old the old prophet should have been right there next to him, cheering him on, urging him, strengthening him. But do you know what the young prophet, the old prophet was doing instead? He was at home, doing nothing. Be careful and be cautious with those people that are not doing anything for the Lord and they have a lot to say. People that come and they criticize. They criticize how people soul win. They, they criticize how a church should be run. They criticize about how finances should be run. They, 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 they tell you and they, they pursue you so that you can do something better with your life. How that if they were in charge, it would be this particular way. Church, let me remind you tonight, be careful on listening about people that are not actually doing anything for God. And they may have in the past. And they may have done some great things in the past. And God's really used them in the past. But then they've relied on the past 
to propel them into the future, and all they're doing is just remembering past victories, but never having personal victories today. Be careful. And again, I'm not thinking about anyone in particular, but if it's hitting your cord in your heart, let the Holy Spirit work, amen? Don't get upset at the messenger. I'm just saying what's in the book. And this young man listened to an old prophet that lied to him. He lied to him. And the old prophet got what he deserved. You'll find that letter in the chapter. He had to share his burial place with the young prophet, by the way. Now imagine this. No one starts off wanting to fail. Always keep your guard up. But be cautious. Be cautious when that critic keeps running their mouth and they're not actually doing anything for God. Because all in the end, it's just selfish gain for them. And they, they can mask it in holiness. They can. But you can decide for yourself. And that's what I learned. <laughs> Always be careful. Be cautious listening to those that are not doing anything themselves. The Bible talks that we're not, we don't strap a bomb to our chest and run into a mosque. Bible doesn't tell us that. But the Bible does tell us this. 2 Corinthians 10.3. 2 Corinthians 10.3 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The warfare that we have now is of your mind. And the battles that you face and I'm not saying that there's no physical battle somewhere else in the, in the world. Yeah, I understand that. There's some places like that. But right here, right now, no one's trying to kill you. But what the devil's trying to do, he's trying to destroy you. And he's getting to your mind. And everything that we desire to do, you become a cynic to. And instead of supporting leadership, you're, you're angry. And you don't support leadership anymore. Why? Because this is a battle we are in. And the danger, church, is not that someone's going to stab you, but you've opened up the door for someone to influence you and affect your mind, and it's blurred your sight. So things that, that God has ordained and God has blessed, you don't see it as blessing. You see it as a burden. You see it as a curse. Why? Because you just let, you let it in your mind. And if this young prophet, in the height of all his victories, would have just said, you know what? I didn't do nothing myself. It was all the God. And we'll just trust in what God told him. Maybe we'll find out who his name was. Maybe we would have seen what other great, amazing things that he could have done with his life. 
But that mistake cost a life. That mistake cost him his. So don't be like that, church, please. God spoke to my heart about it before I ever shared it to anyone else. Just be careful who you listen to, whether, they, whether they're physical or online. Be careful. Because all you need to do is drop your guard and little things might seem right. Little things that they say might seem like doctrinal things, but they're not. It's, a, it's a, against God. And again, I just warn you, we are in a spiritual battle tonight. And thank you for, for prioritizing coming to prayer meeting. Because you see, it's important. No one ever starts off wanting to fail. Keep your guard up. And be cautious listening to those that are not doing anything themselves. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to stand up behind the pulpit and, and just convey your word. I thank you, Lord, for this, this story that was written for our learning. I ask, God, that you help us, Lord, to apply it. And, Lord, desire to see, to see you do many more things here at Southland. I thank you, Lord, for those that have designated and, and dedicated their time to go back to the Philippines this week. And, and <clears throat> not only just encourage nationals in the Philippines, but encourage missionaries all around 1040, Father God, to continue serving you. I thank you, Father God, for those that, 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 that faithfully pray at home and, and don't tell anyone about what they're doing, but they're just praying for people. I thank you, Lord, for those that are faithful at, at work and, and they're, they're willing, Lord, to share the gospel wherever they are. And, and again, they, they might not come on Saturdays or they might not tell anybody what's going on, but, Lord, you do. And, and Father God, we understand that you're the, you're the rewarder of those that diligently seek you. And so I pray that you just bless our church because not everyone is a, is a mouth, not everyone is an ear, but Lord, we have a part. So help us to fulfill the part that you've designed us to be and help us to fulfill it with joy. You are a merciful God. Bless us, Father God, as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you.